Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, on KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. All right, yo, well, here I sit in the, in, in the radio station, and it seems like I'm all by myself. <laughs> oh, real good. Might as well laugh about this. I'm having a massive transit with Mars square, my Uranus, and Saturn and Uranus T-square it, so it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for me to leave the planet and take off on a UFO. Anyway, wherever you are, I hope you're not having too hard of a day during this particular transit. We're having all kinds of heavy T-squares and grand squares with the moon squaring Mars and opposing Uranus and Saturn. A lot of people are having a really rugged day today. So what better place to be than right here in the Astrology Hour in KFOX, right? And I'm real happy you're able to join us today. I have a very special topic for you today. If you were with us last week, you heard me do a topic on the seven principles of expression as far as discussing the multidimensional self, and that was a well-received topic. I'm glad that the people that heard that, most a lot of them enjoyed it. I got good feedback. Today I'm going to stick my neck out again and talk about the seven planes of existence. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the dimensions. We're going to talk about, as far as I know, what I've learned. Basically, the spirit of man exists in a timeless, infinite state as the developing essence of this spirit of man and, and women, of course, seeks and finds experience. It manifests a certain quality of spiritual refinement. This quality determines the plane or planes within which the entity may participate. So, frankly, being born in this dimension, in the physical plane, there was a price that we all had to pay. If you listen to our Atlantis show last week, you'll find out that the price that those beings that incarnate on Earth had to pay was price for memory of self or memory of spirit or memory of the seven principles of expression or the multidimensional self, also memory of the seven planes of existence. A lot of people are walking around this planet and they think they're frogs or they're ducks or they're they're owls or something. They don't know that they're people and they don't know that they have power and they don't know that they have wisdom and they're not aware that they can actually do a lot with what they are. So, actually, we are going to talk about the seven planes of existence where the multidimensional spirit of God within the hearts and minds of men and women exists. So, obviously, an excellent topic to record. Okay, let's take a look at the seven planes of existence. Of course, a lot of people into metaphysics are going to say, including myself, that there are seven planes within seven planes. So, actually, you could probably designate seven levels within each level if you wanted to. Because as far as awareness goes, we find that beings that exist in a separate plane of reality may be only aware of a small percentage of the plane itself. It's like being in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and only knowing about the south side. doesn't mean that you're going to be aware of the whole city. (laughs) You might have lived in the south side of Alabama, or you might have lived in the east side and not be aware of the north or the northwest or southwest. That's pretty much the way it is at life on Earth, too. Life on Earth is the type of thing where people walk around almost like drones or like clones, and they're just not aware. It's like the fish in the ocean. They swim around in the ocean quite a bit, and they don't know what's on the surface until they they grab a hook and grab the bait and then go to the surface. And at the same time, of course, once they 
are pulled out. Of course, they're in shock. Many of them can't exist above the water. But a lot of people, you know, they live their lives and they go through situations throughout their life experience where they are literally unable to perceive or sense what may be the closest thing to further truth. That's why it's sad that so many people have dogmatic thinking and are into a dogmatic lifestyle where they think they know what is true or what is real. People develop philosophies and they adhere to them and then they try to shove them down other people's throats. So a lot of times, if you've ever heard my show where I talked about the seven levels of consciousness here in the physical plane, I also believe there are seven levels in each of the other seven planes. So I believe there's actually 49 total levels that exist. So we're going to talk about the basic seven planes of existence and basically the seven planes of existence that are divided. Like I say, there's 49 total in my opinion, but we're going to talk about the seven major planes. Now the physical plane is the plane that we live in. This is the plane that we are most aware of. And at this point in time and space, the physical state is the most apparent, but it is the coarsest manifestation of human beings. However, this condition allows for greater spiritual advancement and evolution and should be viewed as being as important as the others, if not more, because a lot of metaphysicians and teachers actually believe that the physical plane gives us an opportunity to evolve higher than normal or higher than the rest of them. And for that reason, we find in the physical plane that we could literally conquer all kinds of things, all kinds of problems at higher levels or from previous past lives, from previous lifetimes and such. So we do really find out that the physical plane is maybe one of the more powerful of the lower planes of existence. Now, when you die, and also when you're sleeping, <laughs> there's another plane that we call almost limbo state, limbo plane, which happens to be a plane that is bridged at death. But in the dream state, your astral body can also cross this plane too. Now, this is a state entered upon death, or when you're sleeping too, if you want to plug into some of the Akashic records that you might have at that level. And it is a rather drowsy state in which the mind will rerun the events of the life just ended. And this evaluation is then measured within the scope of all past lives to determine the soul's next move. Now, also, in reverie, which we call the Akashic level, the Akashic plane, I believe that the lowest level of reverie is like considered to be the limbo state or the state where the lost souls could be or the state where poltergeists <laughs> might exist, if you believe in that, which I do. So that's important to know. Now, the awareness plane, in this state, the entity, of course, may decide to go beyond third-dimensional life, but if you qualify for beyond reverie at death, if your karmic level is such that you qualify to have more awareness than normal, then you'll go into this awareness plane. And in this plane, the entity realizes the truer nature of its condition and the full implications of death, reincarnation, and karma. Here the choice is made to go on to the higher reaches of self within the spirit realm or respond to the Earth's pull for rebirth. Now, I don't believe that all souls will reach the awareness plane at death, because I believe that some souls are in such a hurry to reincarnate that it's like they'll bounce into reverie and back to the physical real quick. And these, of course, would be souls that had not reached very high levels of growth or evolution. So basically, basically the, uh, the reverie plane is a plane where your soul would come and jump into the awareness plane where the Akashic stream and the sum memories of all experiences become crystal clear, whereas in the reverie state, it might not be as clear. And those of us that have absolved karma and have reached certain levels of growth, 
would be, of course, granted the time allocation to spend more time in the awareness plane in review and in qualification and recharging for the next incarnation, whether it would be an earthly incarnation or whatever. Now, we go beyond if, as you approach the light of God, as you approach the source of all oneness, then you qualify to enter higher levels of existence, higher planes of existence. And frankly, after you've reached the awareness plane, which is the third plane of existence, you go through another life experience, in my opinion, where you absolve something other than karma. (laughs) There's something else out there. And I think it has a lot to do with teaching and sharing and assisting those of us in lower levels. It's totally selfless state of existence. But if you do qualify for the fourth level, which is called the cosmic plane of existence, there are literally things of infinite beauty here. And sounds and colors, of course, never experienced on the earth plane or never recognized on the earth plane would exist. Here the mind becomes master over matter, and it is not within the capacity of earth minds to imagine the nature that exists at the cosmic level. A couple things that you should be aware of at the cosmic level is that we do become a lot more in control of the power of the mind, the power of God, mind manifestation, so to speak, at the cosmic level, where definitely whatever you believe to be so, or whatever you say to be so, or whatever you telepathically send, almost instantly manifest. So our minds are almost like sculptors, instant sculptors at the cosmic level, which I think can be very exciting. Now, you might wonder where this information came from or where we got this information. And frankly, my opinion from what I have done, first of all, I've gotten a lot of this information myself from meditating and from books and from teachers that I've talked to. And I have found, I have discovered that this information literally has been delivered to us through the ages, metaphysically speaking, by those beings that have reached messianic levels of consciousness in the physical state and therefore have been able to taste the other six planes of existence. So we do find that to be rather exciting in my opinion. And at the same time, whereas not everybody is going to find out about these seven planes or even the 49 divisions of the seven planes of existence overnight, at the same time, at least we are able to get some idea of what may exist because I still feel in the human state In the human consciousness state, it's difficult to really perceive what really exists beyond. Now, you notice each plane, you're actually leaving behind something else. You leave behind your individuality and the physical, and you leave behind the material. You become more and more group-associated, or more and more one with the whole. More compassion and more vibration exists with energies that you deal with as you reach higher up into the planes of existence. So until you become one with the universe at the highest level, you are always leaving something behind. Beyond the cosmic plane, we have what is called the astral plane, which is not where the astral body roams. The astral body, of course, when you sleep, will hang out in the reverie state. But in the astral plane, the fifth plane of existence, this is actually where the mind becomes like unto a flame. (laughs) You literally lose all glimpse or illusion of body, physicalness. And you're able to traverse the universe to the outermost galaxies and the other four or five dimensions, of course, that are below the astral. The entity will have now lost all prejudices and crude concepts of earthly life, now possessing the power of direct image telepathy. And rumor has it that some of our guides that we are aware of will come from either the astral or the cosmic plane, which I discussed. All right, (laughs) Southern California, I'm Farley Malaris, and welcome to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s on 
KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. And we're here weekdays at 12 noon. If I sound strange today, it's because my headphones are acting strange, so I can't hear myself. Many of you don't know this, but, but I try to channel myself on the show, my higher self. And when I can't monitor my own voice, <laughs> it's difficult to come through. So if I sound like I'm stumbling along today, then that's fine. But let's continue with the couple other higher planes of existence here. We're on the sixth plane of existence. The wisdom plane is what it's called. Now, the farther away we get from the physical, it gets to become more and more like the twilight zone, right? (laughs) The farther away you get from the physical, it definitely becomes more of a supra-Earth experience, beyond Earth. So it's real difficult in human words to explain these higher planes, but at the same time, I do believe that these planes do exist, and I do believe that certain men have tasted the evidence of these planes, or at least the important part is that we have received information from guides, from masters, teachers, angels, whatever, that these planes do definitely exist, even though they are difficult to explain in human terms. But obviously, absolving a certain matter, like karma in the physical plane, you always have to pay back some debt on each plane to qualify for a higher plane. So we've already talked about the physical plane, the reverie plane, which is like limbo, and the awareness plane, which is the akasha, the cosmic plane, and the astral plane, the first five. So then there's the wisdom plane, which is the second from the top, right? The being has now shed nearly all essences of ego. (laughs) Anything that identifies the self or the part that says you are different or separate actually is gone now. A becoming total thought with no form whatsoever, not even a flame. You are just thought at this level. Even spirit becomes of a very high station and actually find it completely indescribable from what I have heard and say it becomes painful to the mind to try to express this magnificent state of being. Now, actually, I think a lot of work is done at this level because the spirit, of course, has lost its form and lost its identity and such and and is more united with the essence or the fiber of eternity, right, (laughs) of God, that a lot of things that become manifest at lower levels actually start here. Because this is like the first step away from God or away from the whole. And that would be the highest plane, the ultimate plane of existence. And this is actually the center of the universe. This is the final and ultimate state of being. Here the entity has realized its oneness with the Creator now, and all people and all things, having reached perfection. And obviously it would be futile for me to attempt to portray the total bliss-like state that exists in the ultimate plane. This is the end of the soul's journey back to God. So in order to gain uniqueness or separation, you must travel through or step down through the levels, wisdom, astral, cosmic awareness, reverie to physical. And then to come back to the oneness of God, you must obviously step back up the ladder from the physical to the reverie to the awareness, cosmic, astral, wisdom, and then ultimate plane. I do feel that all of these planes of existence do exist inside of us. In other words, these are planes where we exist. We may not be aware that we exist in these planes, but these are actually planes where we do exist, all seven levels. So the human being is rooted or anchored to the ultimate plane, and it's not like you have to go looking for all these planes because they are right inside of us. It's just as we are granted higher awareness or as we leave our body and evolve our bodies and such, we actually get to a situation or a point in our growth where we realize that we're a lot more than we sense to be so or we sense to be true. So those are the seven planes of existence, and I hope you enjoy that topic. Now, let's go to the phones and see what's going on here on the phone lines. 
We'll first go over here to who called first. Line number one is John. Hi, John. Can you hear me, John? Are you there, guy? Yeah, I'm here, and the transmission sounds great. Don't worry about it's it. It's just my headphones, I guess, but <laughs> if I can't hear myself, I get nervous because <laughs> I'm so spoiled by hearing myself, so I got the topic out, so what the heck. Heck, that was a pretty heavy topic to go on without earphones, good buddy. <laughs> it made sense then, huh? Yeah, it did. <laughs> Actually, most of your topics hit home with me, but this one was quite a bit above what I'm usually used to hearing, so I'll have to hear it again. Did you record it? Yeah, I did, as a matter of fact. Very good. Well, listen, I have a question about compatibility. I know you're doing the general question stuff, and I'm a past listener of quite a bit of your show, and I'm trying to understand compatibility. And you once had some shows where you look for exact numbers within two people's charts. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if they were less than one degree orb within each other, would that count, even though it was just a half a degree past in the next degree, even though the number didn't match up? If it's less than one degree orb, does that count as having a special connection that you spoke of in the past? In my opinion, if you have any exact aspects within two, then you're talking uncanny. If you get down to one, it's eerie. If you should happen to get down to zero, where the exact number exists, then we know definitely it's karma, it's dharma, it's reflection, it's totally mirror finish, you know. So I say within one or two degrees, it's extremely strong compatibility or vibration between two people. And as you do approach zero, it does get to be more twilight zone-ish, if you know my point. Yeah, I can feel your point, that's for sure. Okay, guys, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's go to Vicky on line number five. Hi, Vic. Hi. How are you? Fine. What can we do for you today? Okay, I was calling, it's say like if you were trying to do your own transit, when you give the planet to 12 noon, you would put the day onto your chart, or do you put your chart onto today's? No, what you do is you get yourself a plastic cover for your wheel, uh-huh. and then as I announce the news, what you do is you take a felt pen that you can later wash off, uh-huh. and you put the transit chart on your chart. You write the transit chart goes on the plastic cover. Right. You see? And that way you can look in perspective as to where the planets are for any given day in your chart. Okay. And then you can keep a separate diary. See, like what I did when I went to astrology school was I just took my wheel down to a, an instant press right. and ran off a couple hundred copies, leaving a space in the bottom. I put a piece of paper over the abbreviation part right. that, that is called notes. And that way, I had it printed on three-hole paper that went into a notebook. Uh-huh. And then I went ahead and made a notebook and put the date on each page. And then I kept track of the planets every day. Oh, okay. See? And you can do it into the future also. That's right. Every day I kept track of the planets. Well, I did it day by day. I didn't do the future ahead of time. Yeah. Because what you're trying to do is get the feel of the daily effect. Exactly. And the moon, of course, triggers it all. Oh, okay. And then, obviously, your planets are going to be the color of the instant press paper, right? And you might want to use a color pen, like put in the planets in red mm-hmm. and put the moon in in blue. Okay. And that way, you can shade in the 12 degrees the moon goes. And you can put the planets in on top of your chart exactly in in blue felt pen where they are. So then it becomes obvious where the planets are in connection to your chart. And if you notice certain major aspects, that'll help you understand what's going on in your life. Okay? We do. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm having a good day. Let's go to Mario on line four. Yomar. Hi, finally. How are you doing? Good. What can we do for you, guy? Uh, Your topic is truly inspirational. Oh, good. Then it came across okay. Yeah. I'm having uh, close friendships with several people who sense and as I have, felt past life experiences. Doing this, going through the process, striving for a higher mind mentality, is that where everything is going? I want to know where I'm going. We have a sense of what has happened in the past, but we're wondering, there's a certain reason why we have met, and we're wondering, is it that we're meant to be together to learn things and 
Is this part of the process of where things are going? For people that are growing in the spirit right now, there are lots of situations where you would be the teacher and the other one would be the student and vice versa. Yeah. So what's happening now is there's kind of like a meeting of the minds on this planet where there's a tremendous amount of exchange going on at the higher levels of consciousness for those people that are more aware than others. Because not all of us can be the expertise in all areas. That's why it's important that other people come around us at this time to act as the student-teacher role to help us evolve in the spirit and understand things a lot better. Huh. Okay? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go over here to Pat on line six. Are you there, Pat? Yeah, I'm here, probably. How are you? Fine, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Good. I'm in Hawaii right now. No one knows it, <laughs> but I'm on the beach somewhere. I don't blame you. Seems like everybody's asking relationship questions. Uh-huh. And I've got one kind of two. When two people who are very psychically in tuned and they are concentrating on each other, unbeknownst to the other, and yet they may be thousands of miles away, can they pick up, will they automatically pick up each other's thoughts? And in a chart, a relationship chart, would there be aspects and what would they be that would show this kind of phenomenon? And in transiting planets, what transiting planets would trigger this is this a trick question, Pat? No. <laughs> okay, let's take it one at a time first. Okay. First of all, in order for us to evolve beyond this dimension, we actually need to, and, and we are required to sense the oneness that we share with all people that exist on Earth. In other words, you kind of need to come to grips that you're no longer separate from the universe, that you're part of it, you're bound to it. And in doing that, in so doing that, our intuition develops, our psychic abilities, and we do find that we are more psychic with those people than we are with other people. And this is where this intuition is defined more as a oneness, but by feeling more one with that person, we're feeling their thoughts, we're feeling their wishes, we're feeling their mind. It's because we're, we're like plugged into that part of it. So what happens is in the astrology chart, usually there's a Neptune complement. If there's exact numbers, you can have that kind of connection with another person. Trines to each other's Neptunes or each other's moons can create that, trying to each other's Plutos, let's see, Neptune, Pluto, or the Moon are the three focal planets, or Pisces, Scorpio, and Cancer planets, we find, are also planets that can evolve the intuition and the connection there. Mm -hmm. Now, transits, of course, that would occur, certain transits in our life, like the same things, like transits to our Neptunes, to our Plutos, to our Moons, our Pisces, Scorpio, and Cancer planets, when we receive trines or sextals, then sometimes our awareness will lift to allow us to plug into this oneness that we might share with another person. See, like, in order for us to feel one with the world, we need to feel the oneness that we share with individuals first, and that's where the psychic powers and the telepathy all come in as we feel them grow within us. Okay, would squares and oppositions also bring this? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Not as always in my experiences, but I do find that if the karma is intense enough, <laughs> that definitely there will be in a connection where sometimes when you get a telepathy, or a vibration from another person, it's not always positive. They may be doing something naughty that you're aware of, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gosh, I'm pretty excited about astrology and metaphysics. I kind of live my life in a fantasy in many ways because I believe in things like this. You know, I believe in afterlife and reincarnation and evolution of the soul and karma and all this stuff. Danya, how are you? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I looked at my chart today, my transit chart. I said, there's too many exact squares and oppositions today. I want to stay in bed, I think. Well, I'll tell you, I seem to be 
an astrological illiterate. I'm just trying to learn how to read my chart, and I do have yours, the one I sent away for, plus one a friend of mine in Canada had done for me. And one of these days, you'll have a personal show questions, and I'll call in if I'm anywhere near the phone. But one thing I want to ask you is, what is the difference between the equal house system and the placidus? The equal house system is like a system that I have found was used on Atlantis during much of its history. Mm-hmm. And in the equal house system, every house has the same size, which means if you're a 15-degree Libra rising, then each of your house cusps will be 15, 15, 15, 15, 15. Mm-hmm. People that study the other house systems like Placidus, Koch, and Regimentanus, and Campanus all believe that depending on what part of the earth you were born in, there's a different perspective to the zodiac, uh-huh. which makes some signs bigger than others, and therefore some houses bigger than others, actually eating up whole signs. Like you could be a Libra rising with Sag in the second house, and the sign of Scorpio would be swallowed in the first house called intercepted. Mm-hmm. But see, that to me is very complicated. Even though I respect it, and I do believe that the other house systems work, equal house works better for me. When I have someone's rising sign, I can envision their whole wheel in my mind's eye, the midheaven, the descendant, and all the house cusps. I can go to any one cusp immediately, and it has worked well in my consultations. So I am an equal house astrologer for that reason, and that's why I actually promote equal house. That is information that a lot of people need to hear, and it's a question that hasn't been asked for a long time. And I think that that information will help explain to a lot of people why we do Equal House. I also consider it psychic astrology because when you raise your consciousness, you can actually see the chart in your mind. It's easier to see Equal House. It's impossible for me to have a rising sign when people call up and figure out all their house cusps with Placidus or Coke. I'm lost with that then. See, then I'll try to guess where their planets are in what houses, and they'll go, oh, no, I've got Mars in the fifth, not the sixth. That's why I stick to Equal House, and I tell them, well, this is what I see from Equal House. Okay? Okay. I had another question. Is there time, though? Sure. What about in terms of time of birth? If a person is a cesarean baby, or a baby that the mother was in labor for a very, very, very prolonged time, and the doctors decided that this baby would not be born naturally, there's only one way, and so they, you know... (laughs) I feel that's a destiny factor. I feel that that sort of thing is set up ahead of time in the doctor's mind in the mother's mind, and whoever's involves mind, and that it all comes about that that baby catches that time of birth it needs. It's still See, the baby is... Time. The soul of the child is in a very evolved form before birth. It's still in the awareness plane. Mm-hmm. So it can telepathically send signals to the doctor or the mother, whatever, in case it needs a particular time of birth to be caught. Mm-hmm. So I think cesarean births happen for a reason, because I think babies make suggestions to parents and to doctors that I think, okay, here's the date we're going to choose, March 5th, and It's like life on Earth goes in slow motion next to the way it goes up there. So I believe cesareans happen for a reason. Okay. I wonder about the baby trying to come out and the mother not dilating and the baby trying for, you know, over, you know, 24 hours, keeping just trying. Well, I still believe that when the baby takes the first breath, it catches the chart it needs. If it doesn't, then that's the case of like the stillborns Mm -hmm. where the soul seems to say, well, I blew that. I'm out of here, buddy. And you get the babies that are born and they're not alive. Okay, I hope that helps you. And I'd like to say that I've really enjoyed your show. I don't think there's anything like this in Canada. My friends are just totally blown away that you can just turn on the radio and listen to this. Thank you. Okay. Let's go to Jerry now. Hi, Jerry. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, Farley. I'm running out of time. What's your question? My question is, is it possible to pay off your karmic debt in this lifetime? Absolutely. It's definitely possible to pay off the sum total of the karma you have in any one lifetime. No problem. Because everyone can reach the highest levels of messianic consciousness 
in any given lifetime. So I would just have to be aware of what that is, my bill, in other words. Well, everyone has very similar karma, Jerry. The whole point to a karmic absolution is recognizing the oneness of God that you share, developing a sense of self that is humble and selfless, compassionate, and also being able to meditate and put into perspective the debts that you might owe without having to go through the physical, the mental, and the emotional pain here on earth life. And if you become a teacher and you share the higher knowledges with others, that will also help you absolve your karma and evolve to your highest good. All right. Bye-bye. Let's go to Noreen now. Hi. Are you there, Noreen? Hello, Noreen. Hi, Farley. This is Noreen. (laughs) Okay, what can we do for you? My question is, is basically general because I agree with you about the seven planes, but sometimes I end up kind of stuck on the physical one. Yeah. And I wonder how my chart or anybody's chart ties in with that and what you can do to enhance times for meditation or in some way to reach the more spiritual levels of existence. When you have planets in the earth signs, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn are in the substance houses, which are second house, sixth house, and tenth house, then that tends to tie us more to material emphasis. Uh So that's why a lot of times people with Virgo, Taurus, Capricorn, second house, sixth house, and tenth house plants, like myself, constantly go back and forth from the spiritual to the material because we put too much emphasis, too much importance on what we're doing down here on Earth. Uh Now, obviously, if you're becoming too materialistic to a point where this dimension is making you sick or you're worrying too much or you're making yourself crazy, then it's time for you to give yourself a meditation rest. Mm -hmm. So that the time when you're not feeling spiritual or you're not giving yourself a spiritual priority is when you need to give yourself a rest. Okay? So then you meditate more or you... uh... Oh, yeah. Well, I meditate constantly. Mm -hmm. I I never stop, even in the car, at night, when I'm going to bed. Meditation is an active part of my day. I'd say 70% of my waking time is spent meditating in one form or another because I'm constantly using affirmations and assertions and visualizations and I'm trying to tap into all the elements of my multidimensional self. All right, thank okay, you. Okay, bye-bye. Now, uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to today's edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. I think I have so much energy today just coursing through this control board. It's like I'm electric today. i got to watch this vibration here. We'll see you real soon. Weekdays on the Fox at 12 noon. I love you all. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>